All right, good evening. All right, take your Bibles, go to Luke chapter <clears throat> chapter number 15. Go to Luke chapter 15. You don't have to stand just yet. <clears throat> I was going to read a, read a story here real quick. Herman and Henrietta were taking a tour of their new home that they had dreamed about, planned for, designed for themselves, a home that Henrietta had paid for with her own money. As they went from one room to another and admired the beauty of their new home, in each one of those rooms, Henrietta turned to her husband and said, Honey, I want you to know that if it wasn't for my money, we wouldn't be here. And Herman didn't say a word. That, after, that afternoon, a moving van came to the house filled with brand new furniture for everyone, every one of those rooms in the house, furniture that Henrietta had paid for with her own money. And as they went on another tour with the furniture all in place, they saw each room with furniture that Henrietta had paid for with her money. In each one of those rooms, Henrietta said, Honey, if it weren't for my money, none of this furniture would be here. And Herman didn't say a word. Then another truck came with a combination stereo TV and computer all in one gorgeous piece of furniture. It was a piece of furniture that, you guessed it, Henrietta paid for with her own money. And as they sat back to relax in their home once more, Henrietta said, Honey, if it weren't for my money, this piece of furniture wouldn't be here. Finally, Herman spoke and said, You know, honey, if it weren't for your money, I wouldn't be here either. <laughs> All right, you can go ahead and stand now. <laughs> Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. It's good to be in church tonight, amen? Uh, I was thinking about the, that song, and there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of Christians in here that were born in, in church, and they were raised in church, and they got saved at a young age, and you might hear lyrics like, you know, painting the old town red, and, and you might not be able to relate uh, quite to, to those types of things, but we were saved from the same hell, amen? We were saved from, from uh, the, the same destruction and damnation as anyone who lived out in the world, or if you didn't live in the world, it doesn't matter, we were all saved by Jesus Christ. And uh, here in Luke chapter 15, it said here in verse number 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto, unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Brother uh, Dave Spurgeon, will you pray for us tonight? every name. Thank you for a book that is uh, proven and true, Amen. inspired and available. And I pray it bless Brother Adam tonight as he's opened it, recited a passage familiar but profound as well. Speak to our hearts tonight, Lord God. We do need to hear from you. And if there's somebody in here that's not saved, please make it easy for them to understand they need to be. Amen. Well, thank you for that. In Jesus Christ's name, amen and amen. You may be seated, and, and like he was saying, uh, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. And Luke 15 is the, uh, the, the chapter of lost things. And in the first few verses, you have the, uh, the parable of, of the lost sheep. And you have the, um, you, you have the, the shepherd that goes and... He leaves the 90 and 9 and just, just to find that one sheep. And then you have the, the lost coin. You have the woman that lost her coin, and you can answer that if you want. That's perfectly fine. Uh, 
But uh, there's the, <laughs> man, I don't know if I've ever, uh, that's ever happened before, so it's just, it's new for me too, so all right, no worries. Um, but you have the lost coin, and um, the woman looked diligently until she found that one coin. And then here, obviously, you have the parable of the lost son, but just a, a couple things about the, the, the first two is the lost sheep, and you think about how, you know, David was saying in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, we have a good shepherd tonight. We have a personal shepherd, someone who, uh, when we were that one that was out there, amen, we were the one sheep that was lost, and, and one might say, well, you have 99 other sheep, but the shepherd didn't care at that particular point. He wanted to go out there and, and find that one, and it reminds me of a, a video I saw of a of a sheep who um, the shepherd was, was trying to get it out of this trench that it had jumped in and the whole, the whole back half of it was sticking out and uh, the, the sheep couldn't get out. The, the shepherd had to pull the thing out and it, it ran onto the other side and then jumped right back into the trench. And I was thinking about that. That's how we are as Christians sometimes as sheep is, is we'll, we'll get lost and, and we'll, we can't find our way and we'll get stuck in a trench and the Lord will come and he'll pull us out. And we'll find our way right back into the trench. And uh, thank God for His mercy and grace when we didn't deserve it. And uh, then you had the lost coin where, where the woman was searching diligently. She swept the room. She got a, she got a candle and, and lit the room up and, 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 and diligently searched for that coin. And each of these, each of these people here uh, or, or things, they had a value. And tonight I, I want to tell you that you have a value to Jesus Christ. You are, you're valuable. And, um, but the lost son here, I, I want to I get into, uh, I, I guess you could title it the far country. Um, because the Bible says in the last days that, that some shall depart from the faith, that uh, many are going to depart. Um, and uh, you've seen it. There's a lot of, of has-beens. There's a lot of people that, that used to be in this room that are not in this room anymore, or other churches that you know about, or people that are just out of the fight. And uh, they've simply gone to the far country. And uh, tonight, um, in this passage, the far country is a geographical location, but might I say tonight, you could be in the far country and be sitting in this room right now. And the first thing I want you to notice about this um, prodigal son, I want you to see the prideful resentment in verses 11 and 12. The prideful resentment. It says, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. I see someone in the passage that, that it might be bitter, someone that might uh, have some resentment towards the father, towards the father's house, and someone that's full of pride. And he might as well have said, Dad, you're, you're as good as dead to me. Just give me the portion that falls to me. There's something that happened. He, he was in the father's house. Um, he had it made. He, he had everything he could possibly want. He probably had a position in that house. He probably had, you know, he had authority over the servants. And his father put him in charge of certain things. And maybe the prodigal son had an authority problem. Maybe something happened where he didn't agree quite right with what, what the father was doing and how the father was running things, and he decided, it's done, I'm, I've had enough of this. But nonetheless, there was something that caused the prodigal son um, to, to get out. There was something that caused him to, uh, he, he began, and before, far before he left, far before he went to the far country, or long before he went there, um, there were some things going on in his mind. 
And as Christians, the Bible says that there's a, uh, I believe it was Paul, he said there's a war, uh, a, a warring in my, uh, the members, or what does it say there? There's a law in my members war against the law of my mind. And that's what the devil's going to do, is he's going to try to get into your mind. If he could have your mind, then he'll have your actions, he'll have your body. But he had some kind of resentment. And you think of, of Lucifer, who had everything he could possibly want. He was the anointed cherub that covered the throne of God. And there was iniquity found in him. And one day he decided, I, I, I don't like the way God's doing things. Who knows why he, why, he got that in, why he had the iniquity in his heart, why he got lifted up. But the, the bottom line is he had pride. Amen. And he decided he, God's way wasn't as good as what he could have done. Or maybe he, he could do things a little bit differently. And uh, he got some angels to go with him. Prideful resentment. It could happen to, to even in a perfect environment. And, and God, in His mercy and His infinite knowledge, He gives us a free will. And I don't understand that. If I were God, I wouldn't give anyone a free will. I'd make them all cookie-cutter people and, and do whatever I want them to do. But God's, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. Prideful resentment. We think that things should be done our way. We live in a society, as you've heard it preached, the Burger King society, have it your way. Do things your way. Be happy. Don't, don't let anyone tell you what you can and can't do. And if they do, then, then they're just legalists. I was watching, a, well, I didn't watch it, but I, I, I saw um, a preview for uh, something they're trying to do. Um, it's, it's called uh, Let Us Pray. It's P-R-E-Y. And they're, they're going against the fundamental uh, movement um, in, in terms of all the, the, the things that are going on with uh, pedophilia and things like that. And, um, but, but they're, and while I agree with what they're doing in, in the sense of, of calling out some people, um, they're throwing Bible believers into it as well. And they say that, you know, these King James Bible believers are, are the ones that are causing the problem in the United States of America and all this stuff. And, and uh, they're, they're coming after us. You know what? There's Christians that are the same way that, that they, look at, they look at how we live and they look at what, what Bible believers are and, and it's so foreign to them. And I don't, I don't, I don't believe that we need to be cookie cutters and, and you know what? If, if the Lord's leading you to do certain things, then do those things. If you could do it to the glory of God, then do it. But sometimes we get, you know, in that, that fundamentalist movement where they're, they're legalists. And they, they try to put their thumb down on uh, what kind of car you should buy and, and what kind of house you should buy and all these different things. And they try to control everything. But I'm not talking about that tonight. I'm just talking about living a godly life, having a conversation. Uh, Bible talks, or Paul talks about his conversation being blameless. And, and just living for God in this day and age, not going out and, and preaching against people's sins and all that, which, you know, there's a time and a place for those types of things. But I'm saying just living right, is, is, it's confusing to people now. It's confusing to some Christians. And I'm just thankful, I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful that we're here. But we think that we should have things our way. We think that we should do things our way, and that's how, that's how we're taught in society. It's almost like uh, if you watch a college football draft, and um, you, you, you see the scouts go out, and, or schools, and they, they, colleges, and they go and they look for, look for the very best uh, football players, and, 
They bring them in and they have a table and they sit, they sit different hats. You know, you might have Ohio State over here and uh, you have um, Florida State over here and Michigan way over here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish John, John Netherton was here for that, but uh, he's a Michigan fan, unfortunately. But, uh, but what they're going to do is they're going to pick uh, the very best team that it's going to suit them. It's going to suit their needs. It's going to give them uh, the best chance to maybe go into the, the National Football League one day. And they're looking out for themselves. And I think that a problem in Christianity today is we've, we've kind of uh, uh, got that same concept where I'm going to pick what I want to do for the Lord. And, uh, you know, as long as it helps me out along the way. When the Bible says to, uh, if any man follow me, let him first deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And I think that maybe uh, with this uh, prideful resentment that we might get bitter at church and we might get bitter at, pas- at the pastor and we might get bitter at certain things because what we're doing is we're taking up a cross and we're trying to, to walk with this cross and we're trying to do the very best we can, but we have not denied ourselves, and we get bitter at the cross and we get bitter at God and we get resentful to God because God either didn't call us to do that specific thing or tell us to do that that thing, or we didn't surrender it and and leave it in God's hands to begin with. We didn't deny ourselves. So that's the the prideful resentment of of the prodigal son. And then we see the personal retreat in verse number 13. He said, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And a, a, I think a big mistake um, with, with people that when they look at this passage, they kind of read themselves out of it because they, they look at what the elder brother said. Well, he spent it on harlots and he spent all his money on, the, on certain things, the, these wicked things. And you might think of a place like Las Vegas, the sin city. But really, when, when the Bible talks about spending his money on, on riotous living, it just means careless. He carelessly spent it. It doesn't matter what it was on, but he was just out there just having fun, doing what he wanted to do. It says that he took his journey. It was his journey to the far country. You say, what it, well, what is the far country? And I think it boils down to a couple of things. I think it can mean anywhere that man tries to live without God could be the far country. It could be forgetfulness of God. He spent his substance. His, his, you know, you could, you could look at it simply, you know, how do you, how do you spend the money that God's given you? It's not really, not really preached about a lot in Bible-believing crowds, but, but we're supposed to be stewards of, of money, all right, he, what he's given us. And you look at, I, I work in collections departments, so I see a lot of people mishandling their money all the time. And, you know, we're you know, sending vehicles for uh, repossession because I had one lady tell me that she couldn't afford her bill. Um, it was a signature loan that she was 120 days past due on because she wanted to buy a TV for Black Friday. And it's like, you know, their, their priorities are, are way off. But Christians aren't, aren't much better than that. I, I, I see a lot of people, you know, that... that are probably Christians. I look at their account and their password is Jesus saves or you know something like that, and they're in they're in the collections, and uh, they're they're uh, not no strangers to the collections department. 
but uh, just how, how do you spend your money? You know, the Bible says if you, if you can't be faithful in, in godly mammon, or in, uh, in uh, just money and monetarial things, then, then how is God going to give you, you know, spiritual things to be, take care of if you're not, not faithful in, in, the, uh, in the mammon, in the money? But he spent his substance on riotous living. He was living carelessly. Now, beyond the money thing, you know, just, just doing what you want to do all the time, just giving in to the lust of the flesh. And, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not talking about these cliche sins tonight. I'm just talking about how, how do you live your life and how do, you, how do you spend your time? There was a personal retreat that led him to the far country. And then that, that substance he, he wasted. You know what? He, he, he said, Dad, I, I want you to just give me everything that belongs to me. And he took it and he wasted it. And you know what? We have an inheritance that we can get at the judgment seat of Christ. And a lot of Christians are guilty of taking that inheritance and saying, God, I don't want anything else to do with you. And you might not say that verbally, but you say it with your heart. And you waste your substance that he's given you on riotous living down here. And you get up there and you don't have anything to show for you don't have anything that you can say, this is what God allowed me to do. He said, I gave it to you down on earth. I let you do what you wanted to do, and you wasted it. There's a lot of wasteful Christians. Wasteful Christians. They're distracted. Maybe, maybe that's what the, the uh, far country could be, a distraction. It could be something that, that takes your focus away from God. I was... Um, I was out in one of the plazas over on Airway, the Airway Shopping Center. I was taking a left out of there, and there was a lady in front of me. The light, the arrow turned green, and she stayed there for about five seconds, so I started to honk my horn at her a little bit. And I see her. She's on her phone and not paying attention at all, and so she's driving down the street. And unfortunately, I have to follow her because she's going exactly where I was going to go again. Um, so you could see her, you know, kind of swerving in and out, and um, I wasn't able to pass her um, because I'm a very slow driver. Brother Joe knows about that. <laughs> um, but so I, I, just didn't, I just didn't pass her, and so she ends up turning left where, where, exactly where I needed to turn left again. And so the light turns green, and, you know, 10 seconds pass, and so I just start, I just start laying on the horn, and she peels out, and she's all mad at me. But the reality is that she was distracted, she was supposed to be focused on the road. She was supposed to be focusing on where she was going, focusing on, the, on her safety. And so many Christians get that same way, where there's so many distractions, so many things, the, the cry of the far country, the things that, that just draw you away, um, maybe not bad things, maybe not evil things, but things that are just weights. Like the Bible says, lay aside every weight and the sin. But there's, there's so many weights um, that can distract the Christian. And the distraction leads to no rewards. No rewards. You look at, um, and you don't have to go there for sake of time, but in Second uh, Peter, chapter number 2, in verse number 7, it's talking about Lot. And the Bible calls him, it says here, and delivered just Lot, vexed, with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing 
and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. You know what the Bible calls him? Lot is the perfect uh, type of, of a backslidden Christian. And um, you might not be doing those things that, that are spoken of, those evil things, but you can be vexed by them. And it says that in seeing and hearing. And you can't help but think about just how accessible the far country is with these things. In seeing and hearing. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying you should go throw it away tonight. I have one. I'm, I'm guilty of having one. But there, there's so, it, it can be such a distraction where you start to get on things and you start, it, it's like a rabbit hole. You just keep going down and down and down. And, and sometimes things, you, you, you see things and things that you shouldn't see or things that maybe not so long ago you would have had a problem with. And it, talk, it talks like, it says, in seeing and hearing, what's going into their eyes and, and what they're listening to. Vexed them. It vexed Lot. His, it talks about, he, he calls him a righteous man. It calls him a just man. You know what? In Christ, you're forgiven. You're, you're righteous. And thank God for that. But we can be vexed. And that takes us right to the far country. Where all of a sudden, things that used to bother you don't really bother you anymore. The time that you used to spend reading the Bible... It's no longer, no longer, longer uh, relevant. And even when you do read the Bible, you're just reading it to check, check a box and you're done. I know I, I've seen people that read the Bible uh, several times in a year and, and still they're, they're just, just like Pastor was talking about this morning, they're just asking vain questions all the time. Like the, like the, the guy at the, uh, the other church that came up to him and asked him about, about women in heaven and, and things like that. But people are, are going to the far country. So there's the personal retreat. There's the distraction. And uh, I think that, that we should be mindful of those things. And the Bible says to bring, bringing every thought back to that thing. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Uh, because the Bible says that the devil, he takes people captive at his will. And he, he does that to Christians. It's not talking about lost people. Right. He takes Christians captive at his will because he's going after the mind. There's a war in our members, and it's, it's warring against the, the law of our mind, the Bible says. Distractions. So <clears throat> the third, third thing I want you to look at in Luke chapter 15 is the painful reality. In verse number 14. There was pleasure in sin. There was pleasure in the far country. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't fun. If it didn't seem like it was a good time. But eventually, it says here in verse number 14, and when he had spent all. Eventually, the money ran out. And uh, I, know, I know for a fact that he didn't leave the far country because... Or leave the, the father's house because he had a bad father. I believe he had a good father. I believe that he had everything he could possibly want. And it, he was provided for. And his dad was, was smart enough. And his mom was smart enough not to send him money while he was in the far country. And not to enable what he was doing. And he didn't, uh, you know what, it, 
Sometimes it takes, spend, some people just have to hit rock bottom before they realize what's going on. And that's a sad fact. But we don't have to be like that tonight. Amen. We can learn from the mistakes of people. Amen. But he wasted his substance. He spent all. It says, there arose a mighty famine in, the, in that land and he began to be in want. He began to see that, man, things aren't always as they seem. It, it, it does, you know, that there's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But he had spent all, there was a famine, and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to his fields to feed swine. And what a low estate he was in. Absolute bottom. He couldn't get any, he, he'd be dead if he got any, any further down. And it says, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. He realized that he didn't have any friends at that point. When he had the money, when he had his dad's inheritance, everyone was his friend. When you have something, when you possess things that people want, they'll be your friend. And they'll, they'll, in Proverbs, it talks about that they'll flatter you with their words and they'll lay a net for your feet. And as soon as you're, you run out of those things, they're done. They want nothing to do with you. It's like some dogs, if you, as long as you have treats, they'll come around you. As soon as you run out, they're, they're done with you. If you don't have anything for me, why do I need to be around here? I'll go look for someone else. That verse, that verse that we sung this morning, satisfied, feeding on the husk around me till my strength was almost gone. Longed my, my soul for something better, only still to hunger on. It says no man gave unto him. He, he didn't find anything to eat. No one helped him. That's the far country. That's the side that, that the devil doesn't want to show you of the far country. It's kind of like the, the, the Budweiser commercials. They'll, they'll show everyone having a good time and, and drinking and partying and, and everything's good. And, but they don't show you the next day when they have a hangover. When, when, you know, they don't show you the divorces because the husband's beating his wife. They don't show you the dark side of, of, of sin. And that's the exact uh, way that the, the far country is, is they'll show you the, the, the splendor. They'll show you everything that's good about the far country. And tonight I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to paint this picture. I'm not, not that good at it, but I'm trying to, trying to show you that it is not just, this isn't just about a lost person that finds Jesus Christ, which you could apply it to that. But Christians, uh, more, than, more than ever right now, are departing and taking a journey to the far country. And some of them, they might leave church. And some of them might stay in church. But nonetheless, they're still in the far country. I'm trying to warn you tonight. And I'm trying to warn myself tonight. I don't want to be an example like the prodigal son. There was a... Uh, a girl that used to come to this church back even when we, we first started in the garage. And uh, I believe she was, a, she was a good girl. She was uh, my wife's best friend. 
And um, if you looked at her going up through the teen class, she had, you know, she was really good at, at memorizing Bible verses. And she was, I've, I've seen her at youth camps down at the altar, crying her eyes out. We were in Missouri. She was there over an hour. And she told my wife, I don't ever want to be an example to the lost world. An example of how I got out of church. And you know what? She's not here today. She's a lesbian. And uh, my sister recently saw her at an event, at a Christmas thing. Didn't talk to her or anything, but she said she didn't crack a smile once. She was the most miserable person you'd ever see. I don't want to be an example. She said that. I don't want to, I don't want to be a statistic. And that's how we are as Christians. We, we believe that. I, I would say that right now. I do not want to be an example, and I sure, I'm sure you don't want to be one either. But the fact of the matter is, is just because you're living for God today doesn't mean you're going to live for God tomorrow. And you've got to take it day by day, and it's a, it's a walk that you have to take with the Lord. Because if you're not careful, you'll end up in the far country. If you let the filthy conversation of the world and of the wicked vex your soul, you're going to get there. And you know what started with that young girl? It started, and she's only a couple years younger than I am. But it started with resentment and it started with the mind and things that were going on and things that, that she wasn't going to the Lord about her. It doesn't matter what it was, but the devil got her. And the devil can get you too. Painful reality. But here there's a positive end of the story. You know it. In verse number 17, and when he came to himself. That's what you got to do. Some, sometimes it doesn't come down to this. Sometimes people don't realize. They just live their life deceived and end up completely spiritually dead. But here it says he came to himself. And he said, how many, in verse 17, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I'm hungry. There's, there, there's, when you're away from God, when you're in the, prod, uh, in the far country, you get hungry because you're not getting spiritually fed anymore. And there's something that's like the song, you're not satisfied. The only satisfaction will be through Jesus Christ. He says, I perish with hunger. You've got to get to the place where you realize you're in a very bad situation. You're not in a good place in your mind. You're not in a good place uh, with your walk with the Lord. And you, you need to realize that there's something wrong. That's a good step. Good step to take. And so many times, we have an excuse for everything that goes wrong in our life. If we're not living right, and, and, and I'm going to say something, and I... I don't want, you to, don't want you to take it the wrong way. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against anything like that. But I think that there's been too much blame on medical conditions when you're not living right. 
They start, you start to blame this condition that I have or this medical condition that I have. or I just can't. And it takes away from the Holy Spirit's conviction. And if you're, you're on medicine tonight, stay on the medicine. Amen? But too many times we have an excuse for why we do what we do. And we'll, we never own up to it. There's always an excuse of why, uh, you know, uh, you see parents in, in a mall, <laughs> you know, you ever go to those playgrounds, well, uh, in, in like the center of the mall, and you see kids just choking each other out and just <laughs> acting, all, acting all crazy, and you hear the mom speak up and say, well, he, he just has allergies. <laughs> There's just something, <laughs> something about the pollen in the air. It just makes him want to kill people. And, uh, you know, there's an excuse for it. You know, it's not that, well, maybe you've let him do whatever he wants to do his whole life. And again, I'm not, I'm not, not trying to start any fires or anything like that. If, but but I'm, I'm just saying that there needs to be a little bit more, hey, I, I'm wrong. And, uh, you know, like Paul said, oh, oh, wretched man that I am. Man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. And too many times, we like to put the blame game, you know, everything, well, I was hungry, so I said those things, like, okay, like, when, when are you going to own up and just say, I was, I was wrong, I'm sorry. I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. That's a good answer. That's a good response to realizing where you are. And you know what? I'm the one that got me into this mess to begin with. It wasn't my preacher that did it. It wasn't my church. It wasn't the brethren. It wasn't my parents. And we have so many, so, like I said, excuse after excuse. Just like Moses did. Excuses why you can't serve God. Excuses why things aren't going the way they should go. He said, In him no more worthy to be called thy son, make me as one of thy hired servants. Then it says, He arose and came to his father. There has to be some action. And you know what? I can only imagine what the, what the prodigal son is thinking as he's walking back, you know, maybe the, the walk of shame, his head's down, and He's just making that long journey back to the father's house. And he might wonder if his father would ever forgive him for just taking that inheritance, taking that thing that was precious to his father and wasting it. And he wonders if he'll ever be forgiven. And uh, it reminds me of a story I heard about. Uh, there was a, a young man, this was back in the 18 or early 1900s or whatnot, and um, there was a young, young man who was uh, guilty of some crimes, and he went to trial, and his, his father was there. And um, he ended up being, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what he did, but he was guilty of, of all counts. And uh, he looked at his father and just saw the disappointment in his, in his eyes, and his father didn't say a word to him, and he went home. And uh, years passed by, he was sentenced to prison, and, he, and before he got out, he wrote his father a letter, and the, the family owned a, a ranch. 
And uh, he, uh, he wrote him with tears running down his eyes and said, I, I've messed up and I've done wrong and I've done all these things and I was guilty and uh, I just want to know if, if you'll have me back. I'll, I'll come back. If you, please just forgive me. That's all I ask is you forgive me. And the family had a ranch that a uh, train, train track went down. And uh, he said, if, if you forgive me, I just want you to put a, a white ribbon just uh, in one of the trees. And uh, if, if there's a white ribbon there, then I'll know that you've forgiven me. You'll accept me back home. And if not, I'll just keep riding the train and go somewhere else and start a new life. And so he was on the train. He was sitting next to a gentleman, and he, they, were, they were nearing the, the ranch where the family lived. And uh, he couldn't bear to look at it. He was afraid. And uh, so he, he nudged the gentleman beside him and, and said, Hey, could you just, uh, when we pass this ranch up here, could you just look and tell me if there's a white ribbon in the tree, and uh, he said, sure, and so they ended up passing the ranch, and he asked him, he's like, was there a, was there a ribbon there, and the man said, no, there were, there were hundreds of ribbons in the trees, and uh, he knew he was forgiven, and it says here in verse number 20, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand. And shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. That's forgiveness. Father didn't instantly bring up the things that he had done. I, I can't believe that you took my inheritance that I had set up for you. Your whole future was ahead of you. Why did you? No, it wasn't any of that. Why? Because he knew what was in his heart. And uh, I believe I might have told the story before, but I have a very unique dog. If you guys know Charlie, then you, you know why. Um, but there was, there was one point where he, he decided he wanted to poop on the, in the middle of the stairs. And uh, he, he did that. Uh, if you don't let him out right away, he'll get upset, and then he'll go to the middle of the staircase and just, just do his business there. Or he'll go, he would go into, the, uh, into our, our hallway upstairs. And um, there was every time we did that, uh, we would always get a piece of, of toilet. He would watch us, you know, he, he'd have his, you know, his head down and he'd watch us grab the toilet paper and, and pick up the uh, uh, deposits <laughs> and uh, put it into, the, put it into the, the trash can or the toilet and flush it down. And um, we, we've done, we did that, you know, it was, it was kind of a routine for a little while. Um, but there was one time we were gone for an extended period of time, came home and... and um, we went upstairs. Charlie wasn't downstairs, so we knew that he was, you know, usually he's happy to greet us, but this, at this time he was hiding somewhere, and he knew he had done wrong. But we, uh, we go up the stairs, and there's a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not lying, there was a roll of toilet paper from the toilet rack, the paper rack, all the way 
to where the poop was. <laughs> and it was right over top of it. And uh, I, looked at, I looked over at him, and then I beat him. And uh, No, <laughs> I, I didn't beat him. But you know what? You, you look at that, and you say, hey, he's trying. He knows he messed up, right? He knows he did wrong. And what good of, of me beating him is it's not going to do anything. He are, he's already repentant. <laughs> and you look at him, and you know, I looked at him and had mercy on him. I didn't beat him. There's been other times that I did beat him. But this particular time, it's like, no. Like, that must ha- be how God is with us. Reese sees, man, at least he's trying. At least he's trying to do right. As a, as a dog returneth to his vomit, so a man to his folly. And the Lord knew that before he saved us. Amen? He didn't, he didn't save us because we were doing anything. The lost, the lost sheep that we talked about at the beginning, the sheep did nothing to deserve the shepherd going out and looking for him. But yet the shepherd took value in that. And he said, I'm going to go out and I'm going I'm to find the one. I'm going to bring him back. And the Bible says that he took him on his shoulders and he carried him back. The sheep didn't have to do anything. And it says here, in closing, he said, bring forth the best robe. You know what he had? He, he probably came there with his rags, dirty clothes, smelled like hogs. He said, you know what? I'm going to give him a robe. Not just any robe. I'm going to give him the best robe. And you know what God gives us is his righteousness when we sin and mess up. He robes us in righteousness, not our righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. He said, give him a, put a ring on his hand. Let people know he's my son. Give him shoes. Where he's been walking, his, his feet are dirty. I want, I want shoes to help him, help him in his walk. Let us kill the fatted calf and eat and be merry. And there was rejoicing. So there was a, a peaceful reunion. And the only way you're going to have peace tonight is in the Father's house. The only way you're going to have contentment and to be satisfied is by abiding in the Father's house, not uh, looking out and, and seeing things that they, it might look better. I'm not talking about staying in church tonight, which, you know, that's really important to do. But I'm talking about your fellowship with Jesus Christ in the Father's house. He never stopped being a son in the spiritual sense. Never stopped being a son. When you go to the far country, that's the blessing that... that it says that when he, he was a great way off, that tells me that the, that the Father was looking for him. And Jesus is, is calling tonight, just like the song says. He's, he's calling for uh, the, the, the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter to come home. And like I said, it might not be people that are out, and, and it's good to pray for the ones who've gotten out and the ones who, who went astray. But tonight, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that example. I don't want to have that testimony of man, where's, where's Adam? Where's Andrew? Where's so-and-so? I'd like to be like uh, Brother Siler said, you know, stay somewhere for 20 years or be, be faithful for 20 years somewhere 
and see what the Lord can do with you. Well, that was just a little bit tonight on, on the far country and the prodigal son, but there can be a peaceful reunion. Amen. All right. Hallelujah.